are right where we're there in 2 Samuel chapter 19. And like I said, this is our third week in this chapter, and we're going to kind of just finish up the, this chapter and, and, and move into uh, chapter 20. And the reason for it is because where the chapter ends, there's kind of a conflict. There's an argument where the chapter ends and, and the next chapter begins. If you look down at verse number 40, the Bible says, Then the king, this is David, of course, and if you remember, the context is uh, they just, they just beat, won the battle against Absalom. Uh, David's coming back to the kingdom as the king. They basically had a civil war, and Absalom, the son of David, is the one that was leading the opposition, and he's been put to death now in the battle. In verse 40, the Bible says, And the king went on to Gilgal, to Chimham, uh, and Chimham went on with him. And I want you to notice these words, and all the people of Judah. Now, the nation of Israel was 12 tribes. Judah was one of the 12 tribes. David happened to be from the tribe of Judah. So all the people of Judah conducted the king. And if you remember, Israel, earlier in the, in the passage, and we just read it, we won't go back and look at it, but all the nation of Israel called David back to be the king except the tribe of Judah. David had to actually call Judah, send a message to Judah and say, hey, why is everybody asking me back and not you? Aren't we bone and flesh and all of that? So he, the Bible says he bowed the hearts of the people. He uh, uh, pleased them. He used some people skills there to win them over. And now all the people of Judah uh, are on board. They want to bring David back. Notice verse 40. And all the people of Judah conducted the king and also half the people of Israel. So half of Israel shows up and all of Judah shows up. Keep in mind, Judah's one of the 12 tribes. Israel is uh, the, the rest of the tribes there. Look at verse 41. And behold, all the men of Israel came to the king and said unto the king. Now notice what they said. They said, why have our brethren? So half of them brought David back. But when he gets back, all of them. Notice verse 41. All the men of Israel came to the king and said unto the king. Here's the question. Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen thee away? And I've brought the king and his household and all David's men with him over Jordan. So the, guy, the Israelites, they say, we were the ones that asked you back here first. We were the ones that said, hey, why don't you come back now that Absalom's dead? The, the, the tribe of Judah wasn't even interested, so you reached out to them. But now all of them are the ones conducting you over. And they say, why have they stolen thee away and have brought the king and his household and all David's men with him over Jordan? And all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel. So now, now the argument begins because the men of Israel say, why, why is Judah bringing you over? Why are they with you? Why, why do they get that special treatment? And all the men of Judah, verse 42, answered the men of Israel. So here's the argument. Because the, ki the king is near of kin to us. He said, because we're related to him. Because he's our family. Wherefore then be ye angry for this matter? Have we eaten at all of the king's cost? Or have we, has he given us any gifts? He said, there, he's not giving us anything. He's not paying us. We're not eating his food. We're just here because we're related to him. We are near of kin. Notice the argument back. Verse 43. And the men of Israel answered, the men of Judah, and said, we have ten parts in the king. Now, that's a reference to the ten tribes. I know there, there's twelve tribes. There's a tribe of Judah, but in the tribe of Judah was another tribe of Benjamin. And, and these other tribes are saying, well, we, we have ten parts. Meaning, if you divide the king into the twelve tribes, we uh, represent ten of those tribes. Notice verse 43. And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, we have ten parts in the king. And we have also more right in David than ye. They said, all of us collectively together have more of a right to be near David and to be with David than you do as the one tribe. Why then did ye despise us that our advice should not be first had in bringing back, notice what they said, our king. 
They're arguing back and forth, and here's what they're arguing about. Notice the end of verse 43. And the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. The people are fighting over who gets to be closer to David. Who gets to be closer to the king? Who gets to be closer to the leader? Right now, David is a rock star. You know, he just won this big battle. You know, he just came back victorious. Right now, he, he's a celebrity. I mean, right now, everyone wants to be near him. Right now, everyone wants to be on his entourage. Right now, everyone wants to be part of his crew. And they're fighting. They're actually saying, why did you get to bring him back? Well, he's, our, he's related to us. Well, we've got ten parts in David. And they're arguing back and forth. And they're upset. And here's what you need to understand. There's a dichotomy. There's a dichotomy in the Christian life between focusing on people. Because, see, God has called us to focus on people. Ministry is people. The Great Commission is reaching people, helping people, loving people, and it's even following people. We'll talk about that here in a second. But there's this dichotomy in the Christian life between focusing on people, whether it's a leader focusing on those that are following him, or whether it's followers, like in this case, focusing on their leader. There's this dichotomy between focusing on people and fixating on people. See, there's this tendency in humans, and keep your place there in 2 Samuel. We're going to come back to it. Go with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter 20. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 20. There is a tendency in people to begin to fixate on other people, to begin to bring men into a higher realm, to lift people higher than they should be lifted. And this is what David is experiencing. David, right now, he's coming back. He's victorious. He's won. Things are going well. Everyone wants to be his friend. Everyone wants to be his buddy. Everyone wants to be in his group. And they're fighting. They're actually fighting. No, no, he's going to come with us. No, he's coming over to dinner with us. No, he's going to hang out with us. No, he's in our, in our group and in this and in that. But listen to me. And, and, and I've really got two, two points and an application at the end. Let me give you the first point. Number one, followers need to not make too much of their leaders. Followers need to be very careful to not get fixated on their leaders. Now listen to me. The Bible commands us to follow people in leadership positions. I'm not getting up here tonight to preach to you, you know, anarchy, that, well, no one needs to lead. And there are movements today, like the home church movement, that says no one needs to be the pastor, no one needs to lead, you know, the husbands don't need to lead. We're not saying that at all. The Bible commands us, the Bible tells us that we ought to lead. And just for an example, in the church role, God has given the position of a leader, which is the pastor, the elder, the bishop. You're there in Acts 20. Look at verse number 17. Let me just give you some references, because I want you to understand I'm not teaching tonight that there ought not be leaders, but I'm teaching this, that we need to make sure we keep a proper perspective of our leaders. Acts chapter 20, verse 17, the Bible says this, Acts 20, 17, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus. This is Paul getting ready to leave uh, the area of Ephesus, and before he leaves, he wants to get all the leaders together. Notice the end of verse 17, and called the elders of the church. He's bringing all the elders, the leaders, the pastors, the spiritual leadership of the, of the church there. Skip down to verse 28, just for, there's a lot that he says there, but I want you to notice what he says to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Acts 20 and verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves, notice what he says, and to all the flock, notice, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you, notice this word, overseer. Do you see that word overseer? He says, the Holy Ghost hath made you 
overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So there, you know, do we believe that God has ordained for certain men and certain leadership to be the elders, to be the overseers? That word overseer is also translated in our King James Bible as the word bishop. It means to be the administrator. It means to rule. Someone has to be in charge and make the decisions and say, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And here's how it's going to go. And God ordained that that man be a pastor or a bishop or an elder. Sometimes there's multiple uh, elders in a church and that's fine. And multiple spiritual leaders and there's deacons and we understand all that. But I want you to know the Bible does command and the Bible does command you to find a person, a man, spiritually, uh, if, if you're a wife, it's your husband. If you're children, it's your mother or your father. If you're in a church, it's your pastor. God does command that we follow a person as a leader. It's a, that is a scriptural concept. You're there in Acts. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You're Acts. You're going to go past Romans into 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look down at verse number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15. Now do me a favor. When you get to 1 Corinthians, put a bookmark or a ribbon or a bulletin or something there because we're going to be coming back and forth to 1 Corinthians throughout the whole sermon. So I want you to be able to find it quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, look down at verse number 15. Notice what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, though ye have 10,000 YouTube preachers, what he's saying, Though you have 10,000 TV preachers, what he's saying. Though you have 10,000 radio preachers. He said, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Notice verse 16. Wherefore, I beseech you. Notice what he says. Be ye followers of me. Paul was saying, I am placed under your uh, uh, as your spiritual leader, as the authority here. And he says, and I want, you, I want you to get the point. He says, be followers of me. There's nothing wrong with following a man. It's a, it's a scriptural concept to follow the leader that God has placed in your life. Whether, like I said, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a husband, whether it's an employer, if it's a boss, if it's a, if it's a parent, whatever it is, God has ordained for leadership in our lives. You're there in 1 Corinthians 4. Go, go over to 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verse number 1. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he says the same thing in a different way. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, Be ye followers of me. But then he adds this, Even as I also am of Christ. He says, Should we follow a, a pastor? Should we follow a spiritual leader? As long as he's following Christ, you go ahead and follow. That's fine. That's biblical. That's scriptural. Keep your place there in 1 Corinthians. Go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 13. Now, if you start at the end of the Bible, book of Revelation and head backwards, you can go past Jude, past 3rd, 2nd and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter, James, and Hebrews. Now, do me a favor. When you get there, put a ribbon or a bookmark in Hebrews, all right, because we're going to leave it and we're going to come right back to it. So you need to have your place in two places, 1st Corinthians, Hebrews. Uh, hopefully, I'm not confusing you. I know that's very confusing for some of you. You need to have your place in 1st Corinthians, and then in Hebrews, if you start at Revelation, you go past Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, going backwards, 2nd and 1st Peter, James, Hebrews. Have your place in 1st Corinthians and Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 13 and verse number 7. 1st Corinthians, I'm sorry, good night. Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Not 7. That's not what I want you to look at. 17. We're going to look at 7 here in a second. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Notice what he says. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey. See that word obey there? Obey them who that have the rule. You see the word rule there? That's where you get the word ruler 
You know, someone who's in charge, someone who's making decisions, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. The word submit means to put yourself under their authority. To, that, it means to obey. That, that's what it means. He says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. He's talking about spiritual leadership here. As they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So is it right to obey and submit yourself under a spiritual leader who is watching for your soul, who's going to have to give an account uh, of, of what was taught and what was uh, done in the church and what was done in your life and taught to you, for that is unprofitable for, for that is pro, uh, unprofitable for you if you don't do that, is what the Bible's saying here. But I want you to notice, he tells us that there are people that rule over you. You are to obey them. You are to submit. And look, I'm not, say, I'm not preaching that tonight because we have issues here. We don't, we don't have issues. But there's a thought here that I want you to understand. God established spiritual leadership uh, in, in the church. I'm not preaching tonight that there needs to be no pastors and we need to just go meet in a living room somewhere and we're just going to, you know, go around in a circle. We're going to sit on a couch and then you'll kind of preach your little sermon and I'll preach my little sermon and none of us are really prepared. We'll just kind of read it and kind of wing it. That's not what we're teaching tonight. God has ordained leadership within the church just like he's ordained it within work and the family and government. We understand all that. And on top of that, the Bible also counsels that we are to love and respect the person that is the leader. You're there in Hebrews 13. Now look at verse 7. Notice what he says. Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Remember. The word remember means to be mindful. Don't forget. Remember them. Remember who? Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. It's talking about spiritual leadership. The guy gets up and speaks the word of God. You say, well, what do we do? Whose faith, notice, follow. So don't let somebody trick you saying, we're not supposed to follow a man. Well, you're supposed to follow this man. You're supposed to, follow, you're supposed to remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your soul. Follow me, is what, what uh, Paul said. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. God has ordained spiritual leadership. There's nothing wrong with leadership. In fact, God counsels us to love and respect the person that is the leader. He says, remember them which have the rule over you. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're there in Hebrews, now remember, keep your place in Hebrews. You got 1 Corinthians and Hebrews. But if you got Hebrews, head backwards. You're going to go past Philemon, past Titus, past 2 and 1 Timothy into 2 and 1 Thessalonians. So you're going to head backwards there. If you're in Hebrews, you're going to go past Philemon, and you'll get into those T books, Titus, Timothy, Thessalonians. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5. Look at verse 12. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. I want, you to, I want to lay this foundation. God ordained spiritual leadership, and you're supposed to love and respect spiritual leadership. You're supposed to be kind to them. You're supposed to remember. Notice 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12. Notice what it says. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them. That's the same idea as remember them. To know them which labor among you and are over you. You see the idea there of an overseer in the Lord. This is a spiritual leader. And uh, notice what he says. And admonish you, notice verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love. 
for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. I want you to notice, God is teaching here that you're supposed to esteem the spiritual leadership very highly in love. And look, and we don't have problems with that here. Everyone here is very kind to me and very loving. I'm not preaching this because there's issues. I just want to lay this foundation because I don't want you to think I'm preaching something that I'm not. The Bible does teach that there's supposed to be spiritual leadership. The Bible does teach that you're supposed to love that spiritual leadership. You're supposed to respect that spiritual leadership. We don't have to turn there, but in 1 Timothy, he says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren. There's an idea there that we are to love and respect the person that is the leader, and whether it's me, and if I die or someone else takes over, or whatever, the next guy, you ought to respect him, you ought to love him, you ought to remember him, you ought to obey him. Those are all scriptural uh, uh, ideas. Go back to 1 Corinthians number 1. But here's what I want you to understand. Not only does God command that there be spiritual leadership, not only does the Bible counsel that we ought to love our spiritual leadership and respect our spiritual leadership, but the Bible also cautions us not to overemphasize the person that is the leader. See, there's this tendency in humans, because God is invisible, because we don't see God, because we don't get to talk to God. We get to talk to God through prayer, you know, and faith and prayer. And we get to talk to God through his word. But because we don't get to physically see God, there is a tendency in people to make more out of the men that in their lives represent God. And we see that in the life of David. David shows up, and he's just like, everyone wants to be his friend. Everyone wants to be his buddy. Everyone wants to get his autograph. Everyone wants to be, you know. And there's human tendency is to look at a man and elevate him, to look at a person and elevate them. And, and Paul deals, deals with this in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1, look at verse 11. You know these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 11. If you can get back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, 11. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. They're fighting. Fighting about what? Look at verse 12. Now this I say, that every one of you says, here's what they're fighting about. I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas. This is my favorite one. This is the ultra-spiritual, and I am of Christ. That's the guy who says, I don't follow anybody. And that's the home church guy. I don't have any leader. I'm just following Christ. He said, there's one guy saying, I'm of Paul. There's another guy saying, I'm of Apollos. There's another one saying, I'm of Cephas. There's another one saying, I'm of Christ. And keep in mind, you say, well, is there anything wrong with saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos? There is when it's causing contentions. Because here's what they're saying. I'm of Paul, because Apollos, you know, he's, got, he's not right on X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm of Apollos, because, you know, Cephas doesn't have it all put together. They're arguing, why? Because they're taking their leader, their favorite preacher on YouTube, their favorite preacher on Facebook, their favorite preacher on the radio, whatever it might be, and they're elevating them above that they should, and they're creating these groups and saying, well, I belong to this guy, and I belong to that guy. And one guy says, well, I don't belong to anybody, but I'm going to make it spiritual, so I'm just going to say I belong to Christ. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. And I, brethren, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Are these people spiritual? No. But as unto carnal. See, he says, you're not spiritual, you're carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ. He says, you're not mature, you're a baby. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. Notice verse 3. For ye are yet carnal. He said, you're not spiritual. You're in the flesh. You're a baby. 
For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Why, Paul? Look at verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are ye not carnal? Now we're going to come back to chapter 3 here in a second, but go to chapter 4 just real quickly. Look at verse 6. Chapter 4 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. And these things, brethren... I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes. Notice that ye might learn in us. Notice what he says. That ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. What's written of men? Well, it's, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. What, what's written of men? Uh, there's none that doeth good. He says, hey, that ye might not learn, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you, notice, that no one of you, here's the problem, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. See, when they were saying, I'm a Paul, it was getting puffed up against the other group. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of this. I'm of that. See, it's human nature and human tendency to make rock stars out of leaders. To overemphasize people, to fixate on people, to get overly excited about an individual. Here's what he's saying. He said, hey, be careful, be careful not to think of someone higher than they really are. He said, because at the end of the day, we're all sinners. At the end of the day, we're all needing salvation through Jesus Christ. Can you get back to 1 Corinthians 3? Look at verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. Notice what he says. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. Now you say, well, Pastor Emmanuel, what are you talking about? Let me, let me just bring it roll, roll down. You know, because he says, I'm a Paul and I'm a Paul. You say, what does that mean? It, here's what it means. You know, we'll, we'll talk about our movie. Some people say, well, I, I just think Pastor Anderson is the greatest. And someone's like, well, no, Donnie Romero, I mean, he's the one that. Oh, no, 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 no. It's Manly Perry. It's Pastor Humet. Whatever. It's Dave Burns. And he says, hey, be very, very careful. Look. I've been there. I think all those guys I just mentioned have been there. I mean, I've gone and preached at places. My wife is standing by me, and people walk up to me, and, and God bless them, and I know their heart's in the right place, but they just make me feel uncomfortable. They're just like, oh, it's like a meeting of movie star or something. And some of you do that when they come here. And, and you say, well, well, what is that? Here's all I'm trying to tell you. Be careful. Be careful not to get too fixated on an individual because human tendency Human tendency is to look at a David and to look at a preacher, to look at a Paul, to look at a Paulus, and, and elevate them above that which he ought, and to think of them higher than they really are. And you say, well, what's the problem? What's the problem with getting overly fixated on a leader? I'm glad you asked. John chapter, two, tw- uh, John chapter 21, look at verse 1. John chapter 21, look at verse 1. And look, we don't, I, don't, I don't know that we have a problem with that here. We're just dealing with it because it, it's just something that came up in the, in the passage, and I wanted to uh, uh, explain to you and help you with it. But I want you to understand this. John chapter 21, look at verse number 1. John chapter 21 and verse 1, notice what the Bible says. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There was together Simon Peter. Now, I want you to understand, and, and you probably know this, but throughout the Bible, Simon Peter was the leader of the apostles. I mean, other than Jesus Christ, of course, when it came to the, the apostles, to those, those men, 
Simon Leader is basically the boss. He's in charge. He's at the top of every list. Whatever he says, the rest do. And in fact, in the story, we're going to see it. Notice what it says. There were together Simon Peter, that's the leader, Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel. So we have three guys so far of Cain of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. How many sons of Zebedee were there? There was two. So we're up to five. And two other of his disciples. So I want you to notice, they're hanging out, and we've got seven out of the 12 disciples hanging out with Peter, who's the leader. And notice the influence that a, Peter ha that a leader has. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. Now you say, well, what's wrong with going fishing? Well, there's nothing wrong with going fishing unless you're going fishing when you're supposed to be going soaking. No, there's nothing wrong with going fishing unless Jesus specifically told you you're not supposed to fish anymore. See, when Peter said, I go fishing, the, the, the understanding there, the implication there is I'm quitting the ministry. I'm going back to my old job. Remember when Jesus found us and he said, you will no longer fish for fish, but from now on you're going to fish for men? And they left their nets and straightway followed him. Peter is back to them. Remember, he just, he, he just failed. You know, He just denied the Lord. Jesus has died and he denied him. And he's sad and he's upset and he's backslidden. And he says, I'm quitting the ministry. I'm putting up the Bible. I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to my old lifestyle. Notice what he says, verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, notice the power of a leader, we also go with thee. Peter says, I quit. And six out of the 12 disciples say, we're quitting with you. See, the problem with getting over overly fixated on a leader is that when he quits, you'll quit too. Or when he fails, you'll fail too. Or when he does something that he shouldn't. And you say, Pastor, are you saying any of these men? Look, I, I pray the, to the Lord that none of the men that I mention ever quit. And I don't think they, they will. They're great men. I love them. I know them personally. I respect all of them. I, I pray that I don't quit. I pray that I don't fail you. But listen to me very carefully. Your Christianity needs to go deeper than just some rock star you watch on YouTube. Your Christianity needs to go deeper than just some guy that in your mind you've elevated, whether it's this guy or when, whatever other guy. Because when Peter quit, six other guys quit with him. And you need to make sure that there's some depth to your Christianity. You better make sure that there's some depth to what you believe. That no matter who quits, you weren't following them. You were just following them because you were following Christ. They happen to be following Christ too. And when they cut out, Christ didn't. And when they quit, Christ didn't. See, followers need, followers need to be very careful not to make too much of their leaders. Does that mean that they ought not follow? Not at all. They ought to follow. Does that mean they ought not love and respect and appreciate and, and, and write letters or write notes or say thank you? Not at all. Of course they should. They should remember them. They should esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. All of that is scriptural. But be very careful that you're not, when you're supposed to be focusing on a leader, you're not fixating on a leader. To the point where when that leader says, I go fishing, you say, I'll go with you because really I was just following you anyway. Because really it was just about you anyway. See, point number one is this. Followers need to be very careful not to make too much of their leaders. Because David, David's a rock star right now. And they're like fighting over him. No, I'm going to sit by him. No, sign my Bible. No, you know, let me talk. No, let me take a picture with him. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful that your Christianity is not fixated on a person. And by the way, some of you ladies, be careful that the only reason you serve God is just because of your husband. 
Uh, some of you ladies, if your husband died, uh, I don't think we'd ever see you again. Because you, you, got, you got that leader. Look, I, I, can, I can, you know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful if I died tomorrow, my wife, I don't see any reason why she'd quit on God. If anything, she'd just get more on fire. If anything, I'm the one holding her back. Make sure you ladies are not just fixated. You say, well, aren't, aren't I supposed to follow my husband? Yeah, you ought to follow your husband. But you know what? You're also just supposed to develop your own walk. So there's some kids that are in church right now, and they're 12, or they're 9, or they're 13, or they're 15, or they're 16. But look, they're going to come to a place where mom and dad aren't going to be the leaders anymore, and they're just going to go straight. Why? Because they were never really following God. They were just following the leader that happened to be there. And when the leader was no longer there, they just kind of went and did whatever. So followers need to be careful not to make too much of their leaders. Let me give you a second point. Keep your place there. Uh, do me a favor. Keep your place there in John. And, and go back to 2 Samuel chapter 20. 2 Samuel chapter 20. Let me give you another application here. 2 Samuel chapter 20. I said, number one, followers need to be careful not to make too much of their leaders. At the end of the chapter, they're fighting over David. David is just the man. But I want you to notice how chapter 20 and verse 1 begins. And there happened to be there a man of Belial, whose name was Sheba. And we're going to talk more about Sheba next week. The son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet. Because remember, they're arguing. We have ten parts of David. No, he's near of kin to us. No, we're in love with David. No, we love him more. No, I'm of David. We're, no, you're of Absalom. They're, they're having this argument. And here you got Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, notice what he says, we have no part in David. Now look, just a couple of verses ago, you were saying he had ten parts in David. Now you're saying we have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. Notice verse 2. So every man of Israel went up from after David. They were following David. Now they're quitting on David and followed Sheba. Do you see that? The son of Bichri. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from Jordan even to Jerusalem. What's point number two? Here's point number two. Leaders. Not only do followers need to not make too much of their leaders, number two, leaders need to not make too much of their followers. It's really funny to me because just a couple of chapters ago, these guys are fighting David. They're following Absalom and trying to kill David. In this same chapter, they decide to switch sides. Go, I don't have it here in my, in my, in my printed notes. Let me just find it real quick. 2 Samuel chapter uh, 19 Look, look, look down at verse number 9. And all the people were at strife throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us out of the hand of our enemies, and he delivered us out of the hand of the Philistines. And now he has fled out of the land for Absalom. Yeah, because you guys were following Absalom. And Absalom, whom we anointed over us, they're admitting the fact, Absalom, who we made king, is dead in battle. Now, therefore, why speak ye not a word to bring the king back? See, in chapter 19, they're fighting. Well, we were following Absalom, but, but he's dead, so let's go back to David. Then they're fighting over David, and then, you know, Judah and Israel's fighting over David, and they're like, oh, forget this, let's, let's go follow uh, Sheba. And here's all I'm trying to tell you, because some of you, some of, there's guys in our church that, Lord willing, one day are going to go be pastors somewhere, and here's what I want you to understand. Leaders need to not make too much of their followers. Now, we ought to be focused on our followers. We ought to pray for our followers. We ought to love our followers, but don't get too focused on your followers. You know why? Because followers are fickle. So what does that mean? It means sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. 
I mean, sometimes, Lord willing, you'll get two or three or a handful that'll be loyal to you for years and years and years, but a lot of them are just going to quit on you like that. So make sure you're not serving God as a leader because of all the people that are following me. Because all the people that are following you may not be following you in the next chapter. May not be following you when a Sheba shows up. May not be following you when an Absalom shows up. See, these people were all confused. They were just like, whatever, going wherever, carried about with every wind of doctrine. It's always funny to me because I, I talk to people and it's like, you know, last week they were King James only, but this week they watched a video and now they're just not sure. Last week it was all about soul winning. Now I'm doubting. Does soul winning even work? You know, and, it's, and, and you say, you know, what do you do with that? What you do with that is you just realize people are fickle. People change. And you pray for them. And you love them. And you ask God to give you a handful that will stick with you and be loyal and be there for years. But you realize, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but you just realize that people come and go. I mean, my wife and I, we laugh about it because I, I feel like we've pastored eight churches, you know. And this one's different than the last one. And the, and the name never changed. But a lot of the people did. Go to John. Go back to John. John chapter number six. John chapter six. You say, pa Pastor, you, you know, I think you're a little paranoid with this whole people quitting church and quitting on God. Really, it's funny because they, they quit on Jesus. Jesus had a church split. I mean, there, there's people even in our church now that came out of churches that had splits. John chapter number 6, look down at verse number 59. John chapter 6 and verse 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? We just got done preaching on the Orlando massacre. When Jesus knew in himself that his, disciples, that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? What if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is a spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning. By the way, let me just say this. There's some of you in this room that believe not. You know, I'm just telling you, if, if, there, if, there was, if Jesus had 12 disciples and one of them was a devil, I figure I've got to have at least two or three. <laughs> but there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Look at verse 65. And he said, therefore, I said unto you that no man can come unto me except they were given unto him of my father from that time. Look, notice John chapter 6 and verse 66. John 6, 6, 6. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. This is sometimes a question you always ask your leadership team when people quit the church. Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered. See, sometimes he's right on. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And by the way, before you quit a church, that's the question you got to ask. Before you quit on, on, on a church that's soul winning, King James only preaching the Bible, you got to ask this question, to whom shall we go? Are you going to another church that's on fire? Going to another church that's preaching the gospel? Are you going to another church soul winning? You're going to another church? To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Go, go, go to John chapter number 
uh, chapter number 2. John chapter number 2. Look at verse 23. We're almost done. John chapter number 2. Look at verse 23. John chapter 2, verse 23. People can be fickle. And by the way, let me say this. Don't be fickle. Decide what you believe and stick with it. Decide where you stand and stick with it. Decide if you're King James only. Decide if you're salvation by grace through faith. Decide if you're eternal security. Decide if you're a soul winner. Decide, you know, decide if you're independent. Decide if you're fundamental. Decide, decide what you are and stay there. Don't, don't be this, this person, you know. Nothing makes a pastor more nervous than that guy that you're just constantly watching. Like, is he going to show up this week? What video did he watch this week? Who's he be talking to? I mean, some people, I'm afraid to send them out soul winning because the person on the other side of the door might convert them. It's like, they're so weak in their stands. I, I just walked in that guy's door. I think I'm a Calvinist now. It's like, good night. Notice John chapter 2, look at verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast days, notice, right now, see, in John chapter 6, things aren't going well for Jesus. He just got done preaching on Orlando, right? But in John chapter 2, things are going well. He's a rock star. Notice, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast days, many Many believed in his name. Exciting. Crowds are coming. People are excited. Things are going well. When they saw the miracles which he did. But you see, Jesus was a very smart leader. Because you know what he did? Verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of men. Say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Jesus did not need someone to pat him on the back to preach what he was going to preach or do what he was going to do. Jesus was going to do it whether there was 5,000 people there or not. He needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're a follower, don't get too fixated on a leader. And if you're a leader, don't get too fixated on your followers. Because we're supposed to be doing it for God. Because we're supposed to be doing it for Christ. Let me just give you one statement and we're done. Be loyal to principles more than you are to people. You need to be loyal to principles more than you are to people. I didn't say not to be loyal to people. I think we should be loyal to people. I think some of you need to be loyal to me. I need to be loyal to you. But we need to be loyal to principles more than people. See, when people go, some people get to the place where they're so loyal to their pastor, their pastor could be teaching heresy, their pastor could be doing all sorts of wickedness, and they're just like, no, the pastor's always right. No. We need to be loyal to principles. See, when you're loyal to principles, it doesn't matter who's behind the pulpit, you're King James only. It doesn't matter who's behind the pulpit, you're eternal security. It doesn't matter who's behind the pulpit, it doesn't matter who's getting the views on YouTube, doesn't matter who happens to be in the media at this specific time. It doesn't really matter. When you are loyal to principles, you know where you stand. You know where you go. See, how do you get to the end of your life? How do you get to the end, you know, like my, my parents, and they're not at the end of their life, right? Don't misunderstand me. But how do you get to the point, you know, like my parents, where they've been married for I don't know how many decades, and they've been serving God and soul winning for year and year and year, and, 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 and they've moved, and they've gone through church, and now they're in this church, and their son happens to be their pastor. You say, how do you get there? You get loyal to principles. You become loyal to doctrines. You decide who you are, where you stand, and if you have a good leader in front of you, praise God for it, and if that leader falls, you're just going forward. You need to become loyal to principles more, more. 
then you're loyal to people. Because look, one day I will fail you. Hopefully I don't get out of the ministry, but I'm going to do something you don't like. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to forget about you. You're going to catch me at a bad moment when I'm in the flesh. And you need to make sure, you need to make sure you're not fixated on a leader. That you're fixated on who that leader is supposed to be following, which is Christ. See, if you become loyal to principle, not a rock star, you'll be here in 20 years. And if you're not here, you'll be in another church that's soul winning. You'll still be staking the right stand. You'll still be living for God. If you're loyal to principles, not people. Let's bow our heads.